Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Welcome to another episode of Destination Disaster. I am your host, Devin Carney. Before we begin, there are a few housekeeping notes that I'd like to cover. On February 25th, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention announced new mask guidelines. The recommendations no longer rely only on the number of cases in a community to determine the need for restrictions such as mask wearing. Instead, they direct counties to consider three measures to assess risk of the virus. New COVID-related hospital admissions over the previous week and the percentage of hospital beds occupied by COVID patients as well as the new coronavirus cases per 100,000 people over the previous week. Based on these three factors, counties can calculate whether the risk to their residents is low, medium, or high, according to the agency, and only areas of high risk should require everyone to wear a mask. The last bit of news that I have to share is the celebration of Women's History Month here in the United States, United Kingdom, and Canada. Without women, we quite literally would not exist as a species. We here at Destination Disaster celebrate the accomplishment that generations of women have achieved and will continue to accomplish. Please join us in celebrating this month. As I round out Season 2, there is only one more full-length episode and a current events left. Following this, I am going to take a break for two weeks. During this downtime, please continue to share this podcast with your friends and family. More than likely, I will move away from seasons and just release episodes until I feel like taking a break. In all honesty, it doesn't really seem to make a difference. Without further ado, let's jump into the content for the week. This week, we are going to be discussing one of the worst industrial accidents to occur in the world. This event occurred at a time when safety regulations weren't necessarily standard practice throughout the world. Several key events would lead to the release of an incredibly toxic substance into the community, leading to between 4,000 and 16,000 dead and nearly 600,000 injuries. We will be discussing the Bhopal disaster. With it being nearly 30 years removed from this disaster, have other industrial corporations learned any lessons from this tragic and preventable disaster? To start, I want to provide some background information before just jumping directly into the disaster itself. The Union Carbide India Limited pesticide plant was built in Bhopal, Madhya Pradesh, India. The plant itself initially began operations as a formulations plant in 1969, and the construction of the Union Carbide facility wouldn't take nearly eight years to design and build, with the process taking place between 1972 to 1980. The plant was built and operated at a time when India was seeking outside investment into its industrial sector to help encourage economic growth and the creation of jobs in the Madhya Pradesh state. As previously stated, the Union Carbide India Limited plant was on a location chosen by the Madhya Pradesh state government. 
the location of the pesticide plant was situated inside the city of Bhopal, where the population during this disaster was 850,000 inhabitants inside the metro area. Within the 56 wards or regions that comprise Bhopal, 36 were declared affected by this disaster. With the population within the affected wards estimated at 559,835. In my honest opinion, the placement of this pesticide facility is already an extreme risk to the population. With the operations performed at this plant and the production of dangerous chemical formulations, it truly was only a matter of time until the population were to experience a dangerous situation such as what we are discussing today. As with any disaster that we have discussed and will continue to discuss into the future, you will notice a common theme in many of these industrial accidents. Safety training, facility operations, and negligence all seem to play a key role in the failure to contain and prevent disasters from occurring. One thing that I hope you take away from this episode is that while there are plenty of companies that focus on facility and employee safety, there are companies that simply care about the bottom line and only view staff as collateral. If you work in an industrial facility, always practice the proper safety precautions and keep your head on a swivel. The Union Carbide India Limited plant is where the pesticide 7 was manufactured and used methyl isocyanate as an intermediate in the process. As you are about to hear, the manufacturer of this product utilized some very dangerous chemicals that alone could cause a dangerous situation if introduced into the surrounding community. Staff at the Bhopal plant used a chemical process that led to the reaction of methylamine with phosgene that formed the methyl isocyanate, which was then taken and reacted with one naphthol to form the final product, carbaryl. During this time, this was a fairly common method to yield the pesticide and was used by other manufacturers such as Bayer here in the United States. Following the chemical process, the methyl isocyanate was left with nowhere to go except into storage tanks at the Bhopal site. This is where we begin to witness the lack of safety precautions and laziness leading to severe safety concerns at the plant and is ultimately what led to the disaster that we are discussing on this episode. Now, for those of you unfamiliar with the methyl isocyanate, it is one of those chemicals that you never want to come into contact with. It is fatal if it touches your skin, toxic if swallowed, fatal if inhaled, and can damage fertility and damage to an unborn child. This is why I said earlier that for a company to want so willingly to open a factory in a population of a city that was nearly 1 million was not only negligent, but stupid. Companies that utilized this process adapted and learned better techniques to produce carbaryl without having to use methyl isocyanate, and while it was at a far higher cost, it became beneficial in the long run to ensure the community remained safe. At the UCIL plant, however, this was not the case. Well before the gas leak that we're ultimately going to get to, the Union Carbide India Limited plant was not the safest by any means. In the years leading up to the disaster, several accidents and leaks had been reported well before this disaster. In 1981, a worker conducting regular maintenance on the pipes within the plant was accidentally splashed with phosgene, and as fear overtook him, he removed his gas mask, which led to the inhalation of a large amount of phosgene gas, leading to his death three days later. In January 1982, another phosgene leak exposed 24 workers, all of whom were admitted to the hospital. None of those workers exposed were ordered to wear safety gear. Only one month later, in February, 18 staff members came into contact with a methyl isocyanate leak. In August 1982, an engineer came into contact with methyl isocyanate, resulting in burns to over 30% of his body. In October 1982, more negligence led to the leak of more methyl isocyanate. The staff member who attempted to stop and fix the leak suffered severe chemical burns and two others were severely exposed. 
during 1983 and 1984, there were a combination of leaks of methyl isocyanate, chlorine, monomethylamine, phosgene, and carbon tetrachloride, sometimes occurring simultaneously. Mind you, this all occurred before the main disaster at the UCIL plant and shows the true safety failures, negligence, and failure of management at the plant to immediately work to institute critical safety and workplace safeguards that could have prevented the deaths and injuries of so many people. In fact, a reporter even noted the severe lack of safety and training occurring at the facility. Journalist Raj Kumar Keswani published several articles that cited safety failures and the impending disaster that ultimately happened. Reports of safety lapses inside the plant had started surfacing in 1981, three years before the disaster, when a minor gas leak killed an employee inside the plant. Kaswani first wrote about inadequate safety standards on September 26, 1982, with a title, Save Please, Save This City, in the small weekly paper, Repat. He repeated the warning in two follow-up articles on October 1st, Bhopal, Sitting on the Brink of a Volcano, and on October 8th. If you don't understand, you all shall be wiped out that year. On October 5th, four days after the second article, 18 people at the Union Carbide plant were exposed to a mixture of chloroform, methyl isocyanate, and hydrochloric acid from a leaking valve. Luckily, none of those were seriously harmed. In the article, Bhopal, On the Brink of a Disaster, Keswani reported on a series of incidents and asserted that the leak on October 5th, 1982 had indeed affected thousands of residents of neighboring slum districts who fled in fear and only returned after eight hours. He also asserted in the article that in 1975, M.N. Booch, an Indian bureaucrat, also asked Union Carbide to move the plant away from its present site because of the rapid growth of residential neighborhoods around it. Union Carbide were lucky because Booch was transferred from his post. As we move into the main disaster on today's episode, I'd like to advise those that there could potentially be some graphic depictions about those exposed due to the gas leak at the UCIL plant. I will do my best to exclude extremely graphic material and will add in trigger warnings if necessary. By the time December 1984 rolled around, the majority of the plant's methyl isocyanate safety systems had malfunctioned and the valves and piping were in severe disrepair. Additionally, several gas scrubbers had been taken offline. The late evening of December 2nd, 1984 is when the event is believed to have begun. Tank E610 is believed to have been contaminated with water, which led to an incredibly quick exothermic reaction. This tank specifically was filled with nearly 42 tons of methyl isocyanate. Generally, these storage tanks are not permitted to house more than 50% of the tank's capacity, which in this case was 18,000 gallons. As the temperature and pressure continued to climb through the evening, staff began looking for leaks and by 11.45pm one was located. However, a decision into the actions that needed to be taken would not be decided until after a 12.15am tea break. Normally, the tank pressures for methyl isocyanate hover around 2 psi. However, by the time plant staff noticed the events unfolding, the tank had reached 10 psi by 10.30pm. By 12.40 a.m., the pressures and temperatures inside the tank were well beyond the critical state. Both temperature and pressure gauges were reporting numbers maxed out beyond their measurable limit. Refrigeration systems meant to keep the methyl isocyanate tanks had long since been disconnected and Freon pumped out of the lines. As the gas continued to leak, a flare tower that would have activated and burned the toxic gas as it left the facility was also taken offline and removed for maintenance. This flare tower was also improperly sized to deal with a leak of this magnitude. Approximately 30 tons of methyl isocyanate leaked from the UCIL plant, increasing to 40 tons within the following two hours. 
These gases traveled in a southeasterly direction over the city of Bhopal. An employee attempted to trigger an internal and external alarm that would alert the public that a critical leak had occurred. However, this was also disconnected as to not alarm the community when smaller leaks did occur. As the gas traveled over the city, many of the employees evacuated and ran upwind to escape the suffocatingly toxic fumes that fell over the city. The initial effects of exposure were coughing, severe eye irritation, and a feeling of suffocation, burning in the respiratory tract, blepharospasm, breathlessness, stomach pains, and vomiting. People awakened by these systems fled from the plant. Those who ran inhaled more than those in vehicles. Owing to their height, children and other residents of shorter stature inhaled higher concentrations, as methyl isocyanate gas is approximately twice as dense as air and therefore in an open environment has a tendency to fall toward the ground. Thousands of people had died by the following morning. Primary causes of death were choking, reflexogenic circulatory collapse, and pulmonary edema. Findings during autopsies revealed changes not only in the lungs but also cerebral edema tubular necrosis of the kidneys, and necrotizing enteritis. The stillbirth rate increased by up to 300% and the neonatal mortality rate by around 200%. The individuals who did not die were exposed to cancers, blindness, loss of livelihood, and financial strain. It is believed that the deaths stemming from this disaster number anywhere between 3,787 to over 16,000 and the injuries number at nearly 600,000, meaning that nearly an entire state in India was exposed to toxic and fatal chemicals. The surrounding community resembled a desolate wasteland where death was at every corner. Hospitals were overloaded and nearly 70% of the doctors in this state were underqualified and lacked the proper knowledge on how to deal with methyl isocyanate poisoning. Animal carcasses littered the streets and vegetation became barren. Those exposed to the toxic chemical composition that wafted through the city experienced long-term severe health effects. Trigger warning here if you are relatively squeamish. Within the eyes, chronic conjunctivitis, scars on the cornea, corneal opacities, and early cataracts were reported. Within the respiratory tract, obstructive and or restrictive pulmonary disease, pulmonary fibrosis, aggravation of tuberculosis, and chronic bronchitis were reported. Within the neurological system, impairment of memory and fine motor skills were reported. Psychological problems included PTSD, and within children, peri- and neonatal death rates increased, failure to grow, and intellectual impairment were also recorded. Those who continue to live in Bhopal record miscarriage rates nearly seven times higher than the national Indian average. The resulting investigations following the disaster revealed two main avenues of argument and what could have led to the disaster at the UCIL plant. The corporate negligence point of view argues that the disaster was caused by a potent combination of under-maintained and decaying facilities, a weak attitude towards safety, and an under-trained workforce, culminating in worker actions that inadvertently enabled water to penetrate the MIC tanks and the absence of properly working safeguards. The worker sabotage point of view, held by Union Carbide, argues that it was not physically possible for the water to enter the tank without concerted human effort, and that extensive testimony and engineering analysis leads to a conclusion that water entered the tank when a rogue individual employee hooked a water hose directly to an empty valve on the side of the tank. This point of view further argues that the Indian government took extensive actions to hide this possibility in order to attach blame to Union Carbide. It's possible that we will never truly know the main cause of what led to the deadliest industrial accident and what many claim the world. 
What we do know is that there are faults on both sides of this argument. The corporate leadership of the plant allowed the safety precautions to not be implemented and the equipment in the facility to fail constantly without proper maintenance. What is evidence is that for any who may work in an industrial facility is to make sure that you follow the proper safety protocols, where your personal protective equipment and alert management should any emergencies arise. If you notice that management doesn't seem to care, alert your country's occupational health office and make sure that a surprise audit take place. Innocent lives should not have to be lost when there are fail-safes and emergency procedures in place. I want to thank you for listening this week. Please continue to share this podcast. The only way we can grow is if you all continue to push this into your community. For those that do, I thank you. Be sure to also follow me on Instagram at destination period disaster, Twitter at dest disaster, that is D-E-S-T-D-I-S-A-S-T-E-R. And finally, I want to give a shout out to my one and only patron, Thomas. Thank you for your continued support toward this podcast. It truly means a lot. Be sure to look out next month as we will be using those donated funds to donate to a local charity. Until next week on the next current events, this has been Destination Disaster. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.